in a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has shined. Week by week, the light grows stronger and brighter as we anticipate the coming of Christ. Today we light the candle of joy. We anticipate the coming of our Lord. The promise of comfort is good news that is meant to be shared. Rejoicing in the mercy and justice of our Lord, we kindle this flame. Together we lift our hearts and voices in songs of joy. Let us pray. Stir up our hearts, Lord God, to prepare the way of your only Son. By his coming, nurture our growth as people of repentance and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first scripture lesson is the Old Testament lesson taken by the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 through 10, to be read responsively. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are few heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The epistle lesson is taken from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. 
The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Word of God, word of life. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56, Mary's New Testament psalm for us. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, The child in her womb leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of the Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Before we finish talking about Mary, I'd like to invite my young friends to come up forward. We're going to have another little chat like we did last week. You guys can sit on the front row if you want to. I can talk to you better. How's that? Okay, we've got the perfect number, three, get it? (laughs) How are you guys today? You good? How about you, Grace? You good? Yeah. 
Okay, so um, we're going to continue our little Advent journey here, and we need you all to help the rest of them remember all these things because they're getting old. So they sometimes have a problem remembering this stuff, right? So we, we, um, we, we lit three candles now. Which one do we light today? Joy. Why is it called joy? Do you know why it's called joy? What joy is? Do you know why it's pink or rose colored? Okay. Anybody else know why? For Rose of Sharon, yes. The rose color. Jesus is the Rose of Sharon, but it's also a joyful color. And lots in lots of Roman Catholic churches, the, the uh, priests and celebrants wear that color rose um, vestments today. Instead of blue or purple, they wear sort of pink rose colored. Um, and it's to set it apart, to show us the joy and the, the, the rose color so that we understand who's coming and that we have joy in it. So we got hope, peace, joy. Do you know what the last one is that we're going to do next week? Yes. Love. Love. Exactly. Um, And so we have all three of those. And it's important for us to remember each one as we go because they all kind of build build on each other. Um, What else do we... How about the um, the flowers? Nice Christmas colors, right? White and red. We got um, anything else new in here today? Next week there'll be lots of new stuff, but there's not there's not that much new stuff today, is there? Yes, Mom. Oh. The wreaths on the door. The wreaths on the door. Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff. So what happens is is that as we go as we move closer to the last Sunday of Advent, which is next week, and then Christmas Eve, which is just two days later, we we enter into this. We finally get to Christmas because we're not there yet. Even if they tell you that at the store and on the the radio and all that stuff, we're not there yet. Um, now, I understand that it's hard for us to enforce Advent um, these days, but, but we, we try to at least honor it here. Um, and so that's why I'm wearing blue as the color of Advent, and all the, the pyramids are, are blue also. Um, this is one of my favorite things. Do you, can, you guys, can you guys see this? Can you tell them what that is? Yeah. It's a cross and a lamb, and you, you know what it says on the banner? Peace. The Prince of Peace is coming. The Lamb represents Jesus. Peace is the Prince of Peace. And it's and it, it, so it's again, we're preparing the way for the Lord. Cool stuff, right? So are you guys all ready for Christmas? You bought all your Christmas presents, right? You got my present, right? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Molly thinks that's funny. So, um, did you get good? What do you guys want for Christmas? Anybody want to tell me? Grace, you want to tell me what you want for Christmas? Um, a big a dollhouse. A dollhouse. Okay. How about you, Molly? Robots. Robots <laughs> to go in her dollhouse or to take over her dollhouse? <laughs> Yarn. Yarn. We have we have a cro- you crochet, right? Yeah, she crochets. So, um, carrying on um, good traditions. So those are all cool things, and I think you could probably um, knit a sweater for the dolls in her dollhouse and maybe help Grace hold off the robots that Molly's going to create to attack dollhouse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, and what else is really important, do you think, at Christmas time for us to do and remember? Like, what do you think, like, I'll give you a hint, angel tree. Presence for others, people who don't have as much as we have, um, it makes a big, huge difference, right? 
Okay, so we're going to finish up and we're going to do our little line-out prayer so you guys can pray with me. Okay, here we go. Dear Lord, Dear Lord, we give thanks. We give thanks for all that we have. For all that we have. Help us. Learn. Learn how to how to share share all that we have. All that we have. Our love. Our love. Our wealth. Our wealth. And the work of our hands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Mary. This um, reading in the Revised Common Lectionary, the Gospel reading is actually in the Psalm slot. In the four readings that come, the Old Testament, the, the, the Psalm, the Epistle, and the New Testament, I chose it for the Gospel reading because I love it. But it's really a Psalm. It's a New Testament Psalm from Mary. Because Mary, I believe, is a prophet. So here we go. For too long, Mary of Nazareth also known as Mary, the mother of Jesus, has been portrayed as young, weak, shy woman who God approaches and in some minds works to convince or persuade her to become the bearer of the Prince of Peace. In plain language, become the mother of Jesus, the God-bearer, if you will. This turning Mary into someone portrayed as weak and meek and mild and not in control of her own destiny has been a common interpretation and understanding of who Mary, the mother of Jesus, was. It's also very likely that this way of interpreting Mary's encounter with God has been and continues to be sort of harmful to maybe millions of women over the centuries by creating a storyline that to some of the rest of us to be quite the opposite of who Mary of Nazareth actually was. For some, this is hard to hear, but the reality is that because of who was doing the translation and making the editorial decisions, it became routine to not give women in these narratives, not just this one about Mary, but all of them, the proper credit for the powerful faith that they exhibited and the witness that they were women were to their faith and to us as we work on our faith. And their proper place in the narrative, the story was never really established firmly. There there also was a tendency to stereotype the role that women played. This is especially true when talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. So for me, it seems that it's about time that we talk about Mary in a different way. As an empowered woman who made an active decision all on her own, about taking on this challenge that God presented to her. By retelling this story about Mary this way, we can begin to deal with and hear the real voice of Mary as she boldly and fearlessly accepts God's challenge and takes on this most important of roles and becomes Mary, the mother of Jesus. Then, feeling empowered by these powerful narratives that invite women of all time and everywhere to be as strong as Mary, brings us to this amazing lesson this morning from the Gospel according to Luke. 
It seems clear to me that the story told by the writer of the Gospel of Luke invites women to be strong and feel empowered. Instead of a story of weakness being told by God what Mary was going to do and who Mary was going to be, instead we're imagining new ways to live because of the empowered and powerful way that Mary of Nazareth, Mary the mother of Jesus, urged by God, provides women everywhere and at every time new ways to live. Mary becomes an example for women, yes, but also for everyone, for all of us. And here is the really amazing part of today's message. Mary was the mother of Jesus, this little baby that was welcomed in Bethlehem in, in t- what t- today is, the, is in the so-called West Bank of Palestine. So then Mary of Nazareth, as one scholar puts it, because Mary became Jesus' mother, Mary also mothered God's redemption of the human world. Imagine that. She mothered God's redemption of the human world because Jesus is our redeemer, right? Imagine your redemption, my redemption, our redemption, thanks be to God. The commentator continues in commenting on this passage. It it, it is amazing. It, It is Mary's grace that has attracted God's attention. Mary's grace that has attracted God's attention. And what is this grace? It's what Luke shows us in her conversation and her actions. Courage, boldness, grit, ringing convictions about justice, not submissive meekness. Grace is not submission, and the power of God is never meek. Did you get that? Grace is not submission, and the power of God is never meek. Yes, Mary, we are told, is surprised and a little bit scared by the presence of the angel. Well, who who wouldn't be? Well, who wouldn't be is Gideon and Jacob and Jonah and those shepherds in the field watching their flocks by night. They were all terrified of the angels too. All those, like Mary, questioned the angel in wonder and doubt and even resistance to what God was asking her to do. Gideon and Jacob and Jonah and the shepherds abiding in their fields but with their flocks by night are noted for their reluctance to believe that they were actually seeing angels. They tried to comprehend that these angels were truly angels come to visit them. So why shouldn't Mary be thought of in that way too? Why didn't she why wasn't she allowed to question them? Why do we assume that Mary automatically agreed or deferred or acted afraid and when asked to be the God-bearer? Instead, if you actually read the text carefully, we, we actually are uh, here tell that Mary immediately questioned the motivation and purpose of the angel when she said, What sort of greeting is this? And the angel gave her a careful explanation and qualification, which she accepted. Later, Mary actually challenged the angel when she said, How shall this happen to me when I have no husband? Good question, right? The commentator then reminds us that God chose a spunky woman. I love that one. (laughs) And how about the way she recites the Magnificat? Not only the way she delivers the words, but the content and meaning of those words. You see, that Magnificat is really something. It's not just a beautiful song. It's a radical political statement that was delivered in the home of a big shot politician and public leader, an official temple priest who happens to be married to Mary's cousin Elizabeth. 
Now another twist here is that Elizabeth too is pregnant, if you were listening carefully. Elizabeth too talked about being pregnant in the scripture reading. Pregnant with not just anyone, but John the Baptist. Boy, this is getting really good, isn't it? (laughs) This political statement called Magnificat shows that Mary thought about what she was going to say for a long time. And some might say she showed a strong sense of political savvy and instincts as she recited this boldly in the home of this political bigwig, challenging the powers and the principalities that be in her day to do a new and different thing. Another commentator reminds us that this Mary, well-spoken, wise, and gritty, another amazing fact is Mary is traveling alone, never done in the Middle East even today. Mary is traveling alone like every prophet before her. Yes, indeed, Mary is every bit of prophet in the tradition of Isaiah and Hosea and Jeremiah. Mary sets out seemingly by herself on her first journey to her cousin Elizabeth's house. She went there for support and clarity and to declare her agenda as she magnifies God with her song. That's what Magnificat means, by the way, magnifying God. Because we know where the story is headed, we also know that there will be more journeys like this for Mary, won't there be? To Bethlehem when she gave birth, to exile in Egypt and then back from exile. To Jerusalem, to the temple when Jesus is 12 years old and then they lost him. They couldn't find him. They were searching everywhere for him and where did they find him? Teaching in the temple. They knew that Jesus was really special then. And then, of course, Mary will travel back to Jerusalem where she discovers Jesus is crucified. No mother's supposed to lose their child. Remember, Mary gives birth in a barn, Mary lies down with animals, and Mary welcomes weathered shepherds in the middle of the night to see her baby. Mary is determined, not domestic. Mary's free, not foolish. Mary is holy, not helpless. Mary is strong, not submissive. Mary beckons women everywhere to speak out for God's justice, which is waiting to be born into this world. Mary was, as one commentator says, wanted by God and specially chosen by God because of her bold, independent, adventuresome spirit. And then because of all that, Mary decides to bear a holy child we call Jesus. That's who Mary is. But that's not all. Mary decided to bear this holy child and because of who this child was and is, Mary also chose this bold agenda. She tells us in her song, her Magnificat, her way of magnifying God. Listen to this paraphrase of it. My soul sings in gratitude. I'm dancing in the mystery of God. The light of the Holy One is within me. And I'm blessed, so truly blessed. This goes deeper than human thinking. I'm filled with awe at love, whose only condition is to be received. The gift is not for the proud, for they have no room for it. The strong and self-sufficient ones don't have this awareness. But those who know their emptiness can rejoice in love's fullness. It's the love that we're made for, the reason for our being. It fills our inmost heart space and brings to birth in us the Holy One, Jesus.
You see, when we really listen and really hear these words, these lyrics of Mary's song, how does that call us? How how does that call you and me to understand that God is calling each one of us to sing our own song? Maybe new lyrics to Mary's song, or maybe our own new lyrics and song. One of those ways you might come up with those new lyrics is to think about how you might bring the hope, peace, joy, and love to life and to others. And all through this Advent, Christmas, and Christmas tide season. Another way to challenge you is to, to develop your own lyrics to Mary's song is to think about ways in which the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, might move in and through you in such a way that in the new year of 2020 you may realize your own ways to magnify God, your own magnificat. Perhaps by magnifying God, making God bigger in your life and in, your, in the world you reach, you will take some time that you need. We all need to practice this kind of magnifying God. So slow down the Christmas machine. Slow down your Christmas machine. And take time to understand and contemplate Mary's lyrics in your own special way and apply them to your own special life. You see, Mary's lyrics are all about Mary praying to God with an open heart. In Luke 1, verse 38, Mary says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary didn't settle with all this. Mary didn't just blindly follow without full commitment and belief in what was happening in her life. Let it be, Mary said. Mary was able to magnify God because she was humbly opened to the unexpected new way that God was working through her and in her and the new life God was birthing within her that we call Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary, through her Magnificat, is clearly inviting us to echo her prayer. Let it be with me. Please, Lord, let it be with me. Like Mary, we seem to be receiving this same challenge from God, each in our own way and according to our own purpose. We need to remember that Mary was a willing partner, a willing partner with a loving God. And through that partnership, Mary brings about a, quote, performance of those things which were told. All of those prophecies, those important prophecies, those predictions of what will be, all of those things that the prophets foretold, you know, the prophets reminded us of ahead of time, before they happened. These amazing acts of love and bravery and strength and and an example for the way in which God, working through Mary, give us a powerful example of our striving to serve God in all that we do every day. Commentator Carl Gregg writes about this passage from the Gospel of Luke, challenges us and said, when he says, the song of Mary, this Magnificat, this song that magnifies God, is more about birth instead of death. It's more about human flourishing instead of suffering. And it's more about this world instead of the next. During this Advent time of waiting and watching, how can you, how can I, how can we allow ourselves to be and become open within our hearts and our souls and be willing to partner with God in this birth that we prepare to celebrate in this new life that Christ represents. And through that understanding and belief, be willing to be partner with God, just like Mary did. Yes, you are good enough to partner with God. I got news for you. Do you believe that? I do. 
Think about it one more time. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was willing to sing with boldness and confidence and sureness, calling for a new day and a new way, calling us toward, not away from, calling us toward new life and life-giving ways for not only celebrating Jesus' birth, but also challenging ourselves to celebrate and live in Jesus until we flourish and thrive in new ways. I finish with a question asked by commentator Carl Gregg, who asks us how we are being called to sing new words to Mary's song, her Advent song, her Magnificat. So my wish for you today on this third Sunday of Advent is that each one of you will ask and do and be and do all of this so that your soul might ever be more faithful and fully magnify God with your own song. Amen? Amen. nations come. Make your home here in us. Feed us with your love that our faith shines ever new and our lives reveal your light. And now let us join our voices together in the prayer that Jesus himself taught us saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now hear these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen.